Welcome to LifeBridge Online. Thanks again for allowing us to be part of your home life or maybe your commute to work. However it is that you are listening to this, we are grateful that you are tuning in and allowing us to be part of your life. As always, uh, we want to we wanna be more part of your life. And we know that with a pandemic going on and, and, and people tuning in from all over the place, uh, it, it's hard to do that. That's why we are working on being better at engaging uh, our online audience. Uh, as of right now, as you know, most of our content is posted, and then we as a staff move on to the next week. We don't like that as a church. We don't engage, and, and we are working on being able to engage with our online community. We appreciate your faithfulness uh, over the months of tuning in and, and being part and allowing us to be part of your life and continuing to minister to you. But we want you to know that we are moving to a place in the future where we are going to have better engagement opportunities. And we're looking forward to hopefully being able to engage with you as we continue to, to live out this pandemic. We pray often that this thing will be gone and we will be able to worship together under one roof soon. At our physical campus, LifeBridge Christian Church in Decatur, we are in the middle of a capital campaign. We, we call this capital campaign, Restore His House. And we are pushing to work through some much needed maintenance and updating. Uh, we've done some things within the building and now we've turned our attention to the exterior. We are, uh, we've got a fresh coat of paint on the building. We're, we're fixing some, some rotten fascia and, and soffits are all being repaired. We're going vinyl with those and soon we will be uh, pushing, putting in new windows. Uh, we're looking at something that's much more energy efficient than the windows that we currently have. Uh, that were put in originally back in the 70s. So we're in this process of restoring his house. We want to take pride in this building. God's blessed us with this. Uh, we want to be able to use it better for our community. Uh, we, we pray that we'll be able to have Austinville Elementary back down here doing some things um, as they were able to do back in 2019. And uh, we know that as we have this blessing from God that we need to we need to take care of it and we need to do a better job taking care of it. So we are in the middle of this Restores House campaign. We are in the process of trying to raise another $11,000 for the new windows and, and the rest of the exterior work. And I just want to ask that you continue to pray. Pray with us, pray for us, uh, maybe partner with us and give. And we are going to uh, provide that information. If you're interested in giving, we are going to provide that information on the screen and you can follow the links uh, as you go to our website and hit the give button, go to restore his house. You can follow those links and you can give to that and know that what you're doing and giving is making a difference in the community. So thank you so much for your willingness to pray for us. Today we are in week two of a year long journey uh, it's a journey that we are in as a church, uh, church family. It's called Core 52. Now, Core 52, if you are unfamiliar with this, is a book written by Dr. Mark Moore, who is a former prof professor at Ozark Christian College. 
And he's now teaching pastor at Christ Church of the Valley in Arizona. And Mark Moore, with his 30 plus years of, of being a professor, he has taken different topics, 52 of them, and he has arranged them in a book. He writes an essay on each one, and then he has developed uh, different scriptures from the Bible uh, for us to memorize that go along with the topic. Uh, he's given us a passage or, or a couple of verses to meditate on. And then there's always an application exercise that goes along with it. So this year, we are praying for our church to have a better, a deeper understanding of the Bible. And hopefully, through this, we will have a deeper, more intimate relationship with our Creator. That's the goal. So we are in this thing called Core 52, uh, and today happens to be week two of this journey. Now, last week, we began where the Bible begins, with creation. And today, we move into the pinnacle of God's creation, and that is, that's mankind. That's, that's you and I. Like, we are the highlight. We're the star of the show when it comes to creation. We talked about that a little bit last week in the creation story. So today, we really want to focus our attention on what's our true identity? You know, if we're the star of the show, if we are this pinnacle that God created, if we're the prize of, of his creation, what is our true identity? And so I want to ask you, have you ever been asked the question, who are you? Who are you? Well, of course you have. I mean, if you've gone through airport security, if you've ever been pulled over by the police, if, if you've had to go get your tag renewed, I mean, what, whatever the case may be, there's many different areas of life where you are asked, who are you? Hey, two weeks ago, I was back in Georgia and, and I had some mechanical issues with my truck. I was able to get it back to my hometown, Jefferson, Georgia. My parents there uh, have used the same mechanic, the same auto shop for years. I mean, even back to my teenage years, and that was a long, long time ago. And I remember as a teenager, when you were driving through Jefferson, man, if you needed some uh, tires or brakes worked on or whatever the case may be, man, we could just take it down to the Jefferson Tire Shop and we could get the work done. And the coolest thing I learned was I didn't have to pay for it. I just had to say, Hey, put it on my dad's tab. Put it on my parents' bill. Man, isn't that a great feeling when you could go in, you could pay for some? Well, maybe now that I'm a parent and I have kids doing that, I, I, I get it. I understand. Now, it's been a few years since I have been to the Jefferson Tire Shop. Um, I've added a few gray hairs. Uh, <laughs> I might have added a few pounds since then, but I dropped my truck off there. And my mom came, she met me there because she's gonna give me a ride. And we walked into the building and we talked with the owner. Told him about the issue that was happening. And his recommendation was to wait a few minutes and to have one of the mechanics ride with me so that we could identify the noise together. So when the mechanic, got in the truck, he, he, he said to me, now I don't know your name, but I can look at you and I know who you are. 
you are Dennis Sykes's son. I mean, what can I say? I mean, I have my father's charming personality. Man, in some parts of the country, especially in Jackson County, Georgia, man, that personality is well known. And what can I say? People see me, they know that, man, you are Dennis Sykes' son. Who are you? There's a lot of ways to answer that question, right? Man, we can get on your social media feed, your Instagram or your Facebook, your Twitter. We can read your bio and we can find out a lot about who you are. I'm a husband. I'm a parent. I'm a follower of God. I'm a pastor. I'm a disciple maker. I'm an Auburn fan. Praise the Lord. I'm disappointed because I'm an Auburn fan. Who are you? You know, the Bible takes this question and answers it before we are even created. Before Adam was even breathing, the Bible answers the question for you and I, who we are? Who am I? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27. Now, verse 26 is our memory work for the week. So here we go. Verse 26 reads, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth, all the small animals that scurry along the ground. In verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Who am I? I am the prize possession. I am the prize creation of the Trinity. Man was formed from the dust of the ground and with the very breath of God blown into our lifeless bodies, we are created. Who am I? Verse 26 tells us, I am the image of God. So as we talk about our identity today, because that's another way of saying, who am I? What's my identity? There's two quick things I want to share with you this morning. Now, if you're 16 years old or older, you most likely have a driver's license. The driver's license has a picture of your face on it, and it has some identifying characteristics of who you are. It's got the color of your hair, it's got the color of your eyes, it's got your gender, it's got your height, it's got your weight. Now, I haven't updated mine since I got married, so they might be a little bit confused when they look at me, but they get a pretty rough idea of who I am when they look at my picture. I'm just kidding, I have updated my driver's license. The driver's license gives some basic info into who you are. It identifies you as, well, you. It's proof of who you are. Someone can look at your driver's license and then look at you and they will know that you are who you say you are. It's a snapshot with a few details of you. Verse 26 says, let us make human beings in our image 
we, you and I, are supposed to be snapshots of God. When people look at us, we should resemble God. That puts a lot of pressure, doesn't it? Now, when we think about this, when we think about the image of God, does God have the physical form that he created us in? Is there a human version of God sitting behind a curtain on a throne somewhere in a far-off heavenly place? No, I don't think so. God is spirit. Well, then the question is how, how can we be made into his image if he's spirit? Well, here's the thing about image. Image goes way beyond the physical traits that we all share. You know, from our reading last week, Mark Moore writes, as human beings, we have divine attributes. That's not to say we have God's abilities, but we do share many of his attributes. This simple observation has extraordinary implications. It will change how we view virtually every human activity. You wanna know what those attributes are? Honor, time, beauty, language, love. These are all attributes that we share with God. This is the image that we bear. Now, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I know this is true in my life. I don't necessarily think about these traits when I think about being made in the image of God. As a matter of fact, before this time, uh, this study, I I don't know if I ever thought of any of those traits with the exception of maybe honor and certainly love. Now, I'm not going to break down the list today. I do encourage you to go back and read through that list in the essay of, of those attributes again. Study what each of those attributes really is about when it comes to something that we share with God. But here's why those attributes are important for us to grasp this morning. They all have some impact on relationships. Honor, time, beauty, language, love. All of these have something to do with how we view, how we handle relationships. Honor, for example. How do we honor others? How do we receive honor? Time. We share this with God, who is timeless. But how do we utilize time? Do we value other people's time? Beauty. Hey, do we see beauty the way that God sees beauty? Language. Our utilization of language, of words, of speech, of everything that goes into language. Love. Do we love the way God loves? Do we understand love as it flows into relationships? Since we share these attributes with God, we also share them with others. And so when we think about being created in the image of God, my question to you is who is influencing your view of these attributes? Because if I share them with God and I share them with you and we all have them, is it the world that's influencing my view of these attributes? 
or is it God who I share these attributes with as well? Hey, the second point I want to share with you quickly about our true identity has to do with this all-confusing, never-fully-understood idea of the Trinity. God, singular, in three persons, plural. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And so, so when we think about this, you, you know that there's plurality in the creation story when God said, let us make man in our image. And so we know that during this creation story and during the, the part where man is coming into existence, that God created us in their image. Now, here's the thing. It can hurt our minds to try to fully grasp the idea that there is one God in three forms. And I want to go ahead and assure you, we're not going to address this now, but we will have some further study of the Trinity throughout this year. All right, so we're not, going to, we're not going to handle that right now, but as we proceed for the next few minutes, I want you to think of God as plural, as three different forms or three different persons. The idea of the Trinity models for us something that is consistent in Scripture, but it doesn't come out and say it the way we say it. That idea that the Trinity models is this. We are created for community. Or as we like to say at LifeBridge, we are created for relationships. You were created to live in community with God, in relationship with God, and in relationship or in community with others. And the very concept of the Trinity is an example of community. It's in the very DNA of the Trinity to be in relationship. And I know it hurts to think about, but God singular is also plural. God lives in relationship with himself, with God the Son and God the Spirit and God the Father. It, it's, I, I know it hurts, but you have to understand that within the very DNA of who God is, is this concept of living in community with one another. And so as image bearers, we must understand that relationship with God, relationship with others is essential. Now, I want to go ahead and tell you this because when I start down some of these talks and at LifeBridge, we focus on relationships a lot. It's our mission. You know, we talk about this. We're committed to loving God and loving people in relationships. We, we talk about this often. I want to tell you that when we say that we have to live in relationship, this does not mean that we all have to train ourselves to be extroverts and desire to live a life in a continual party with the constant comings and goings of people. That's not what it means. The understanding of living in community, though, is understanding that we will never fully develop the image of God in our lives 
if we strive to live in isolation or limited relationships. We need people and we need different people. We need people not exactly like us to fully develop the image of God in our lives. My closest friend, his name is Jeff, and he and I are so much alike, it's crazy. Our, our cravings, our, our, our preferences on, on whatever, you name it, we just have so many things in common. It's, it's nuts to think about. Our hobbies, we, we, we like the different, we like the same things. We have so much in common. It's, it, it's crazy. And when, when you get the two of us together in a room, man, we could be overbearing because there's, there's two of us. And as much as I love Jeff to be part of my life, I, I could have him as part of my life every single day. I, I love that. I would love that. You know what I need? I need other people who are different than someone just like me. We all need people who are different. And we got to see this. God places value. He places value on person-to-person -person relationship right out of the gate within the creation story. The first conflict in all of humanity is that man was alone. He goes through each day and God does something amazing. He does something miraculous. And he concludes the day with, and God said it was good. But then he gets to man and he's like, gosh, look at that, man, that's wonderful. But he's alone. That's not good. Genesis chapter two records that. So what does God do? He creates woman. He creates another being for us to be in relationship with. We best reflect the image of God as we learn to live in relationships as Jesus modeled for us. So God's like, hey, it's not good for you to be alone, Adam. I'm going to create a helper for you. I'm going to create somebody for you to be in relationship with. And then you have the entirety of what we would call the Old Testament taking place. And God desires to be in relationship with his people. He gives instructions. He gives the Ten Commandments, if you will, are all about boundaries and rules within relationships to us and God and to us and one another. Have you ever thought about that before? That's the whole premise of the, of the Ten Commandments. It's about us living in relationship with God and with people. Well, then, a couple thousand years later, Jesus comes on the scene because we can't seem to grasp this living in relationship with one another. Jesus comes on the scene, and I know that he came to die for us, and I'm not trying to, to minimize that thought, but he came to show us how to live in relationship with one another. Jesus is modeling the very thing that he is teaching everyone. All of it has to do with learning to love one another. And here's the thing about that. That can only be done in relationship. It's the only way that love can be fostered the way it can, it can grow is if there is relationship. 
So as we wrap this up, I have two quick things I want to say about living in community or living in relationship with one another. The first, notice that upon the creation of mankind, the Trinity demonstrates something valuable for you and I to notice. And that is the acceptance of man into its relationship. Like, like God didn't create mankind and then say to Adam and Eve, man, there's no room for you in our group. Like God said, I'm going to create you and then I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to go on long walks with you in the garden. And you're going to know me. And you're going to, we're going to know one another. We're going to spend time together. God didn't say to Adam, man, we just don't have room for you. They didn't shun humans as inferiors. The Trinity didn't look at them and say, you know what? They're not quite, they're not quite like us. So let's leave them out of the picture. So as the Trinity models community within itself, it also models acceptance of others. And if any group could be a holy huddle, if any group could be a clique, I think it would be the Trinity. But yet we see throughout the entirety of history, God is desiring to be in relationship with us. And there's always a willingness to accept us, even on our worst days. And I know that Michael can be very cliquish. I can exclude people for differences and dislikes. I can be very unaccepting of others, which when you think about it, is in conflict with what God does with me. When I do this, what does that say about my identity? When I exclude others, when I ignore others, when I'm not accepting others, what does that say about who I am? I'm not reflecting the image of God when I am unaccepting of people. The second thing I want to point out has to do with living in relationship with others. And really right now, I want to, I want to kind of talk about how this impacts everything that's going on in our country right now. We are living in a pretty divided period of time for our country. And people are pretty opinionated about the state of our country. A lot of turmoil. There's a lot of chaos. In this season of life, it will be extremely easy to neglect those people who have different points of view. It'll be extremely easy to be unaccepting of those who have different thoughts. To be unaccepting of those who think differently about mask or voter fraud. Here's the thing. Our response to these differences needs to reflect the image of God that we are supposed to bear. Remember, living in relationship with others 
as Jesus lived in relationship with others is what we need to be striving for. Look at the next phrase of verse 26 again. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. I am created in his image to be like him. And so Jesus came to earth and he walked with us. And I promise you, he had people that thought differently. So how did he view those with differences? One of the first teachings, one of the first main teachings of Jesus' ministry is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Like, like, like that's an Old Testament thing. Like that's what it used to be like. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In a very political climate, on a regional level, and on a much bigger national level, Jesus knew what it was like to have people who had differences of opinions. He had threats against his life. And he eventually lost his life because of those differences. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Church, it's okay that the world and your neighbors and your coworkers, maybe even your family members, it's okay that they have differences of opinions. And, and I'm not getting into the whole clicheous thing of, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. I, we're, we're not going there. We're just, we're trying to keep this real with what's going on in our world. But as we interact with each other, as we foster healthy relationships with one another. It's how we respond to those differences that should be our true identity. So my challenge to you this week is how do you expand your community? How do you expand the people that you are in relationship with? And if the people on your radar have different opinions about really anything. How are you going to respond to them? Will you respond and show them that you are made in the image of him? Until next week, we'll see you.